Hello, my name is Jonathan Swift, the content director of Insurance Post, and welcome to the latest Motormouth podcast, looking at the ongoing challenge to make Britain's roads safer using technology. I'm delighted to say, joining me today, we have Adrian Ryan as the CEO and Colin Butler, an advisor for a new company called Roadhow. Welcome, Adrian, and welcome, Colin. Hi there. So I suppose uh, my first question, and it's quite a logical one, um, could you please introduce your new venture briefly and kind of explain what it aims to bring to, to road safety? And I'll start with you, Adrian. No problem. So Roadhow um, is a new platform. It's an AI platform which we've designed and built to um, measure, monitor and improve drivers' skills and weaknesses. So it's it's targeted at drivers in the um, the personal market who have passed the test sometimes, you know, a few months ago, sometimes for many of us a few decades ago, uh, who effectively unlikely to read the highway code after they pass their test and um, Roadhow will give them uh, the option to understand what they're good at, what they're not good at by answering thousands of questions and taking part in interactive uh, media and uh, movie and all kinds of things, content on an app, which um, allows us as a business to identify what each and every driver is good at and what they've got um, weaknesses in. And we tell the driver and then give them content that allows them to improve uh, both the strengths and weaknesses. And the idea being that we then um, work with insurers to help to bring their uh, policy premiums down. Colin, have you got anything to add there? Yeah, I think um, as, a, as a background in the insurance industry, um, for me, motor data and, and the motor industry has become very more data driven, as we're all fully aware of. Um, and uh, insurers are looking for that next unique piece of data. Um, the, the information and the data that uh, Adrian has just outlined um, now has given us the ability to work with insurers to use that unique pieces of data um, and then to use that data for uh, either risk selection or risk rating purposes. So for me, it's a real step on and, and keeping that uh, that data um, world ongoing. So can I ask Colin, I mean, there's a lot of talk at the moment about digitalising the uh, the road network and the ecosystem here. Is there a possible danger uh, in terms of those who are di digitally illiterate, uh, obviously, and there's some people who aren't? Um, I mean, uh, you know, we're heading into this journey here um, this kind of digital journey, but do you think some could be could be left behind? I think um, for me, it's looking looking at the world as we are today. We're getting more and more digital by the day, and it actually surprises me. So, with my uh, some more elderly parents, actually, how in line and in place with technology and digital work that they are as well. So, um, I've I've actually spoken to them about using the Roadhow app. And to start, I was thinking, would they embrace it? And, and my my mom went, yeah, I fully appreciate this, and, and I, I could see how it works. I actually sat down with her and went through the road out road out app with her, uh, and she went, I can actually understand it, and I can actually use it as well. So, I, the danger, I don't, there's a real danger of people getting left behind because I do think people are getting more digital across the various age ranges and age structures. Adrian. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, even outside of the road um, safety question, say my father's 80 and he does all his banking online digitally, obviously, and no problem with most of the things he needs to do online. So, um, and so I, th I think, you know, it's because for the last 20 years, there's been a slow 
move for some people, but a fast move for other people into a, a digital age. Um, it's normal now, even for for older people. Obviously, you know, if you're 16, it, the, your devices are almost surgically implanted, aren't they? But when you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, it's a, it's a bit more of a choice. Um, but I do think um, the whole digital approach to life has pervaded everything that we're doing, and, and roads and road safety is no different. So I'm going to show my my age here and say I I did my driving test 30 years ago. Uh, Adrian, are kind of the you know, the the modern testing and safety standards are, are they up to the needs of modern driving? Um, I think obviously the DVSA they do adapt and evolve um, their their offerings both digitally and you know paper formats etc. But I do think that post test there's nothing out there and. And we're all driving around in vehicles that, although they've got a lot of technology on them, they are still fundamentally um, both a means of getting around, but also means of causing, you know, a lot of destruction and, and you know, potential death. So we should be investing in those skills. We should be, you know, there are very few areas of life where you can actually drive um, a machine where you, you don't ever have to do any kind of ongoing training or learning to make sure that you can do it. So that was one of the reasons why we looked at road hire from a road safety perspective and a moral perspective. It's it ticks a lot of boxes. It's designed to help people to refresh what they should be doing. And um, and we believe that once it's out in the marketplace and we've got insurers on board, which we're working on now, it will it will be a positive force to help make roads safer. Colin. Yeah, I think from my perspective, I think the um, the driving test is is, is um, adequate for the needs of the of the road users today. But it's back to the same point that, that um, Adrian made. So um, my daughter is uh, seventeen, just going through her uh, driving courses and driving lessons um, and doing her theory test. It's a little bit of an eye opener when when my daughter says to me, Dad, can you can you explain this in the highway code or I'm going to test you on the highway code, Dad? And, and actually, I actually couldn't answer some of the questions that she was asking me. And it's back to Adrian's point. There aren't very many other things in life where I am doing some kind of an ongoing basis where I've not got an ongoing testing facility. So not only from the from the safety viewpoint from that, but actually, I'd actually like to be a better driver. I would actually like to think that I'm doing my right thing, the right things to be make safer communities and safer roads. So if I can actually have a, something easy to do um, to actually show to people that I, I actually have invested in my my uh, driving skills, that's something I'd really welcome as well. It seems that um, every time we do one of these broadcasts at the moment, we have to mention uh, coronavirus. Um, it is the topic of the day. Can I ask you, uh, Colin, do you think safety standards have dropped as a consequence of lockdown? You know, people weren't driving as much, people weren't driving at all. Yeah, I think, and it's not just um, coronavirus to be quite honest. So it's 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 driving is a is a is a skill, uh, and it's like any any skill. If you practice the skill, you get better, and if you don't practice the skill, you, your standards deteriorate. So it's not just coronavirus. It's it's just think about, and it's probably typical um, topical as well about students going back to university. So they may have been. Um, coming back home in the summer uh, and, and driving their parents' cars or their own cars during the summer, they've now gone back to university uh, and they may not be driving now between now and Christmas. So they'll come back in Christmas with a period of not driving. They'll come back at Christmas 
it may be bad weather, so they won't have experience of driving in, in that bad weather. They may go back to university and not come back again till next summer, another six month gap. And again, they won't have had the ongoing experience of driving in the weather conditions. So on Roadhouse, what we've got is, is courses which will actually help people to, um, to drive in, in hazardous conditions. And I think that's part of the, um, the way that we can help drivers to, to keep those skills up and going. So it's not just a coronavirus question in my view, Jonathan. Adrian? Yeah, I would, I would add to that. I mean, it, it, driving is um, a perishable skill, isn't it? And from a, I guess, specifically a coronavirus question um, point or standpoint, um, yeah, lots of people will have, will have stopped driving through April to June, especially if we were out on the roads, we would all have seen that the traffic must have been down 80, 90 plus percent. And it was when the odd time that you were out on the road, it was an extremely pleasurable, but slightly eerie experience to be able to drive around pretty much anywhere you wanted to. It was almost like a, a movie, you know, apocalyptic movie where there's four cars on the road and there's no people there, you know. So um, it, it is something that's perishable. And coming back out of that, you possibly, I don't have any data, it's just a personal opinion, but you possibly might see a couple of different um, outcomes. One is that people drive a lot faster and I think there have been some articles saying that, you know, there have been a lot more um, drivers caught or found at very high speeds because there's nothing on the road. Or two, of course, some drivers will be nervous about getting back on the road because they, they haven't driven for quite some time. So, you know, just purely from a coronavirus perspective, there will be dangers um, in terms of not driving. The skill is perishable. I guess linking Roadhab back to that, as Colin said, you know, people would be able to pop into the app, answer a few questions, remind themselves what they should be doing before they got back behind the wheel, take some you know, perception tests, etc. And, um, and it just gives them that refresher to get back out there with a bit more confidence. So I'll come to you on this first, Adrian. I mean, we've spoken quite a lot on these podcasts about the, the topic of technology within the car. And uh, it's been mentioned actually earlier on in this podcast too, um, particularly kind of technology to enhance uh, safety and the driving experience. Can I just ask um, what in particular you're seeing that you think, um, you know, is notable? And also that point, you know, are drivers using it how they should do? I, I don't know if you have a view on that, Adrian. Um like you, I, I passed my driving test um, in a, about 30 years ago, 88, and um, and the change in driving technology. When you when you put it into perspective, that that period of time, it is in, it is immense. Um, there are things that are brilliant, and there are things that I don't enjoy as a driver, um, and do look to to choose what I have on and off in my car. I think that's a particular danger for a lot of people who potentially don't know how to turn things on and off in their car for a start and they acquire technology that they haven't particularly used before and it can affect their driving experience so that's something that you know we can cover off um, but it, it's for me using technology in the car um, obviously great benefit in many ways but in some ways it, it, it's something to be um, cautious about if you don't know what the technology is designed to do and I think um, especially older people, you, let's say you buy a car with uh, automatic, you know, braking and things like that, when you've got a distance between certain vehicles, if they're not sure what that's going to do, it is going to confuse them and that could lead to 
um, you know, incidents and accidents on the road. So it's a double-edged sword at the moment, and there's an educational piece around that. Colin? Yeah, I think um, for me, technology can only be good, uh, and, and technology is good. Um, but as Adrian said, um, although although technology does improve safety uh, and, it, and the driving experience, it can also have detrimental effects as well. So again, I'll go back to my example of um, my 17-year-old daughter and, and us potentially sharing a car. When, when there are certain um, technology um, devices deployed in the car, some are great in, in, uh, in the summer and some are uh, not so great in the winter if they're switched on as well. So it's making sure that when I jump in the car and when she jumps in the car, especially when she comes back from university and she's not driven for a while, does she actually know what the devices are, what the safety angles are in the car? And actually, does she know why they're on and when they should be used? What seasons they should be used? Does she know that actually it's not all about technology? There's a lot of um, moral hazard here and, and she needs to understand to slow down a little bit and, and that kind of thing. And again, she'll be more in tune with that because she's just doing a, a, a highway code. Me as a, as a driver, um, as an older driver, and again, um, again, I've, I passed my test 30 years ago. I haven't looked at the highway code in 30 years. But what I've found by doing some of the, the roadhouse courses, it's made me refresh. It's made me think and it's actually made me jump in the car. And actually, when I'm going along thinking, well, actually, I've just I've just done a course on that and it's making me think about my driving. That can only be a good thing, both morally and for the insurance industry. If I'm thinking about my driving and using technology about using my driving as well, that can only make me a safer driver, which means I have less accidents, which means then that I'm improving their insurance profitability. So my final question, and I'll come to you first, and it's Colin. It, looking, looking ahead, perhaps two or three years down the road, what, what, what will be or how will you judge Roadhouse success, Colin? Okay, so so I think it's it's for me there's there's a real moral situation here, and and it's helping um, having a number of Roadhow users that are subscribed to the app and using the app over a long period of time, um, and they're actually then generating data about their driving performance, and then the success for me is is is, is working with our insurer partners and other distribution partners as well to actually use that data for the good of both parties concerned so for the good of the customer but also for the good of the insurance industry and as i say for the good of the insurance industry is to have uh, less accidents on the road from that real um, moral point of view and that safety point of view but also helping insurers with with their loss ratios and adrian I have to say, I think Colin just summed it up fairly perfectly there. Um, that's the goal and uh, that's what we're looking to achieve. So we, uh, we've got an exciting journey ahead. We've got some um, some great functions and features uh, and a brilliant app to offer now and um, you know, a major investment program over the next three to five years, which will see us uh, launch some really great features, including augmented reality and, and lots of things like that. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to the journey and I think um, we can really bring about a positive change within the industry. Well, Adrian and Colin, good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much to uh, Adrian and Colin. Uh, this um, Motormouth podcast was due to kind of preclude or uh, sorry, 
preempt the uh, Motor Insurance World event at Twickenham Stadium on the 15th September, but unfortunately, due to the ongoing coronavirus um, uh, pandemic, we will no longer be holding that event. So all I can say is stay tuned for future information about uh, our motor events and other events on Post Online. But until the next Motor Mouth podcast, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio. <laughs>